when the coronavirus pandemic shut down pretty much everything in March, Trinity alum Drake Dukes had just left his job. Ready for a change after working long hours in the finance industry, his plan was to travel the world before making his next move. Instead, COVID-19 forced his hand. Hello, I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, and this is the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series. Each month, this podcast features faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who've established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. Today, my guest is Drake Dukes, class of 2016. In the beginning, I was I was like, there's no way we're shutting down travel. The NBA is going to cancel? No way. Listen now for our conversation about how he found his next calling by digging deep to fill a need in the community. Well, Drake, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me today. First of all, I want to go back to the beginning of this year, of 2020. What kind of work were you doing at that time, and what made you decide that you wanted to leave what you were currently doing, your current position? The beginning of 2020, I was coming up on 40 years at Deloitte. I was a valuation consultant there. Uh, mainly what we did is I was on a long-term project with FedEx. Uh, they acquired a company out of the Netherlands. And what we did is we came in after the acquisition closed. And what we had to do was value all their legal entities that they had. You know, it was a big project that lasted, you know, two and a half years. And I believe it's still going on. But as it was winding down, I was kind of looking towards what's my next move? What do I want to do after? They were planning to ship me off to New York for another really large project. And I, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I was literally like, I do not want to travel anymore. I, I want to do something different. You said two to two and a half years. Is that typical for those type of projects to where you're working on the same type of thing, basically the same large project for that long of a time period? It's not super typical. I happen to just find a little niche and that was kind of my niche where I found you know the largest clients and got on these big engagements uh, doing this specialized valuation work. Before I worked on a, a long-term engagement that was about a year with Hewitt Packard Enterprise. They made a, you know, they divested um, into HP Inc. and HP Enterprise. And, and so we did a lot of the valuation work for that. So yeah, I kind of just became real specialized at Deloitte where I was doing these really long, long-term large client projects. I mean, it's more typical where you'll balance, you know, maybe eight to 10 different projects with all certain different time uh, deadlines and um, you'll be at different aspects and different points of each project at a different time. People get a, a broader view and I was kind of getting a narrow view of maybe one project where you kind of learn it really well and you become really good at it. But it's a double-edged sword where you're kind of like, well, I'm doing the same thing over and over and it's becoming repetitive and you're good at it, but it's like, I want to challenge myself and do something a little different. Um, and so it's kind of hard to get out of that pigeonhole that you created for yourself. I see. And you said that they wanted you to travel and they wanted to ship you here and there. Yep, that is correct. And, you know, we we worked some really late hours and a lot of conference room time where you're ordering every single meal in. You know, my, I think my record is 30 hours in the office consecutively, 8 a.m. to all night long to noon the next day. And <laughs> I was literally just in the corner of the conference room uh, in a chair, like sleeping, couldn't keep my eyes open. 
but it's a great experience because what they do is they pack so much valuable experience in client service work in a matter of, you know, a short amount of time. So it's a good base, good first job and a good place to start to then venture out and uh, do what's next in your career. So you were wanting a change from this. Did you know what you were going to do next or was it just, oh, I'm, I'm going to figure something out and uh, in the meantime, I want to travel, etc.? It was more of, I have an idea. I want to kind of get out of the big corporate world and kind of work with more small uh, small business, uh, tighter teams, where you know you can have more of an impact on, I guess, decision-making and the, and the day-to-day operations of the business. But I was just, I'm ready for like time off and, and take the time to really reflect personally um, because, you know, right out of college, it was right into the workforce and big project after big project. And I watched four years go by really quick. You know, I wanted to take a step back and say, okay, what's my next move? I want to be strategic about this because everyone who leaves those, you know, the big four or these big consulting firms, your next move really positions you for what your long-term career could be. And so I think leaving and taking some time off to travel and and doing that can really uh, allow me to reflect internally and, and figure out my next move. Is that common for somebody to leave a big firm like Deloitte um, so early in their career? I mean, you're a young guy. Yeah, yeah. That's actually extremely common. And I think that I stayed a lot longer than a lot of my peers did. It's like a two-year stint, and then they go off and they either work in industry for, you know, Fortune 500 companies or, you know, they, they bounce around. And so I watched many of my peers leave, and I was kind of one of the guys that's stuck around and I was to the point where, you know, you either stay and get promoted to manager and that's kind of your path to partner um, or you you make that move. And it was my time to make that move. But the world had other plans. (laughs) The world had other plans. And, you know, in the beginning, I was I was like, there's no way we're shutting down travel. The NBA is going to cancel. No way. Like they can't. They can't do that. And was then, this in February? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was. What really kind of just kind of put everything in perspective was when we started shutting down the borders with travel, and then when you see a big organization like the NBA and the right in the prime of their season, kind of wrap things up and cancel. And that's when I was like, okay, things are really going to change, and we're going to have to develop a new normal here. What were the things that were going through your head now about? what you were going to do next. How did that lead you towards the idea of your own software and app development? Ultimately, I realized, hey, this is going to take some time. You could go in and start putting your resume out there, talking to recruiters and getting your face out there to find your next gig. But I knew that a lot of the business decisions and hiring would would come to a halt like they did. Um, And so with that time, I was like, okay, well, this is perfect to kind of develop any new skills or try things that I've always wanted to try. Because I think that the whole shutdown really allowed for people to do things that they've always wanted to do and never had the time to do. And people, you know, picked up a lot of different hobbies and just spent a lot of time with family. I've built a few websites. I'm not super technical. I'm not a developer by trade, Um, you know, just a finance guy. But I wanted to develop an app. And mainly the idea of, of the app became before the app development, because it was more of, I have this idea, and so how am I going to go about accomplishing it? So the idea was, of course, to almost aggregate a bunch of information in one place, which 
perhaps hadn't been done on something like a smartphone app with making it easy for the end user, for a person wanting to support local restaurants who were still open and still delivering in Dallas to find all that information in one place. Is that a pretty basic description of it? Yeah, like I said, information was changing daily at this time. And one thing I noticed is this was the first time that, you know, you you mentioned aggregating information. Well, Google is the market leader and dominates that space. And Google can crush anybody that wants to try to play in that space. But the thing is, this was the first time that I've witnessed that Google actually broke. Uh, Google, you know, they have all their listings for restaurants and on their Google Maps settings, which contains hours of operation, uh, location, everything website um but with the shelter in place and kind of the, the information that was changing and the, and the restrictions put on these restaurants and um some remaining closed some remaining open and the service offerings changes where they're you know it's you know we're only doing drive-through we're only doing delivery we're only doing uh curbside uh pickup google was not able to to have that information listed and so i noticed okay people are wondering you know, because a lot of people, I like to cook, but a lot of people I've noticed during this time, they were stuck in their house and they're like, I don't know how to cook. Um, where can I get food? What is going on? Who's open? And so, like I said, Google didn't have that information. And so what I tried to do is I knew how to finite time to capitalize on an opportunity. Um, and this was the idea that I then pursued and I took all the information. I knew I couldn't do it globally, right? Or or even across the nation, but I knew I could do it in my local community. And you could just start small with, you know, what I did is 250 restaurants, profiled them, got all the information up to date, service offerings, uh, their their restricted hours. And then, you know, if I missed some of the information, I could just have links to their uh, phone number, their Facebook page, their website, and essentially just putting it all in one place so that the end user could then go and, and get that information and figure out exactly where and when to eat. Were you the one compiling all that information, making phone calls, gathering all the reporting basically on that? And uh, if so, how did you keep that updated? Yeah, so this is actually pretty interesting. You know, I knew, you know, local media sources and some food bloggers were starting to put together these lists while I, you know, came up with this idea. And so their lists were just essentially articles or postings on their site. Um, They have a good following. And so they would have like a list of 20 or 30 restaurants and kind of trying to keep people updated that way. No one, no one had an app at the time. So like I said, I had a finite time period to really capitalize this before, um, you know, other entrants into the marketplace and people took advantage of this whole thing. So what I did is I'm not gonna be able to do this alone. I hired offshore virtual assistants to help me kind of aggregate data Um, You know, I could do it during the day, they could do it overnight, and we were constantly working 24 hours a day for one week. Um, And we got a pretty good subset of data to feel comfortable with a launch. And so I had to hire a team and they helped me really get it off the ground. So I can't really take full responsibility for it because it was more of a team effort. Um, And I really applaud my virtual assistants for all the hard work that they did to help me uh, get this going. And is that an ongoing process with both this app as well as the one that serves Wichita? Yeah, so we launched in Dallas and we did, you know, kind of a test run where it was only 200 or 300 restaurants um, and had really good feedback. Um, I think we had about a thousand users in a matter of four to five days. Um, 
with, you know, mainly just doing social, just having like food bloggers and, and social influencers and doing the affiliate marketing path. We tried to reach out to some of the larger media companies in the news in Dallas, but um, they kind of viewed it as competition for what they were trying to do. Like I mentioned with their, their lists and things. Um, so we had some good feedback and, and some good traction initially. Uh, one thing about Dallas is, you know, it's such a large community. It, it's really hard to capture uh, the whole uh, kind of food and restaurant industry. Like I said, it, it, there's just there's a lot of data points. Um, and plus, you know, Dallas, I was from originally from Wichita and I moved to Dallas. It's a very transient community. And so the idea of supporting local, yes, I mean, everyone loves to support local business and things like that, but it doesn't really hit home as well as it would in a, in a city where people uh, live there, grew up there, raised families there, and, and really, like, you know, know that small business owner that runs that uh, burger shop and everything. So I knew that Wichita, being smaller and, and being that tighter-knit community, if I really did it correctly and, and went all in, I could have much better feedback and, and probably grow the user base uh, much quicker. And so that's when I positioned myself to do the same thing, kind of replicate the, the front end and just replace the back end data with, with the Wichita restaurants. Um, and we got back to work. So we knew uh, we had a short amount of time. So around the clock, we tried to profile every single restaurant. I think we got almost nearly every restaurant profile. There were a few that we missed, but luckily we had some submissions uh, from the local community to kind of pick up the pieces that I did miss. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, we had about a thousand restaurants um, and we had a really successful launch. And I think, you know, we've had we had thousands of users in a matter of 24 hours, 48 hours. And uh, we did a news piece and we partnered with a restaurant, a local restaurant where uh, they got to explain the benefit of having a service and an app like ours. And it was a two sided thing. And it was really cool to see uh, the great community support we had. Hello, this is Danny Anderson president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn, Let's return to my conversation with Drake Dukes, class of 2016. So you were able to get some news coverage in order to help you get the word out, because that was my next question is how, you know, you've, you've built this great uh, tool, this device, but the next step is marketing it and letting people know that it exists so that they can use it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I had, you know, I grew up in Wichita, spent 18 years there. Um, and so I made some calls of some friends who were working news networks and a few news stations, like I said, turned me down because they, they viewed it as competition to the, the content that they were producing. But uh, one news station was very interested and where I right when I launched, they did a, a release story on what, what it was and they interviewed me, made the news and it really propelled our, our users through the roof. And then, like I said, after that, we did the follow-up story with one of the restaurants. So you got to view the complete picture on here's what Drake did and how he developed this app. Well, also, here's how it's helping the local community. And here's here's a view from the restaurant owner. And so that was really cool to do. You're going back and forth now between Wichita and, and Dallas? Yep. So kind of managing both 
apps right now. It's kind of getting to the point where they're starting to open back up. Um, and so it's not really becoming as relevant. But again, you know, changing the information, whether it's uh, just specials that they're running or maybe there's the happy hour schedule or any type of daily deals and things like that, you can kind of update that and pivot uh, the app's purpose now that you have, you know, the restaurants on there and the users. Um, you got to kind of pivot to something else. Um, and it's interesting to see kind of who's coming back online, the restaurants that are coming back online and kind of what they're doing as a reopening plan. Um, and so I've been backing, bouncing back and forth from Dallas to Wichita. Well, after having had this experience developing this app that's served so many people, do you see yourself, after having uh, had a soul searching, I guess, at the beginning of the year too, do you see yourself going back into the world of finance or now working as an entrepreneur for the future? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. Um, and that might, you know, it might get answered for me. Like, if people are really not hiring for the next, you know, if they're really seizing all hiring opportunities and kind of waiting to make big decisions until this thing all pans out, I'm kind of in the boat where I have to kind of fend for myself and, and make something happen. And so I'm kind of just letting it all play out the way it should, kind of looking at other ideas. But at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm developing a skill set to make me more marketable in the future that, you know, doesn't pigeonhole me into just being the finance guy, right? I can, I've done, you know, some digital media stuff. I've done some development. I've worked, managed teams offshore and, and things like that. So um, I kind of like to take the entrepreneurial spirit to my next company or wherever I go and kind of um, leverage that to, to propel me in the future. Are you still using some of the skills that you learned at Trinity as, as part of this whole thing too? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the best thing about Trinity and kind of reflecting on the, my last couple months, you know, the liberal arts education forces you to do things that are outside your comfort zone. You know, you could go to a really large school and be super specialized with your degree and take all sorts of classes in that degree. But it takes an event like what we have now to really, you know, force you to do things that you've never done before or, you know, you got to develop new skills to stay uh, marketable in the, in the workforce. And so the liberal arts education really molds a well-rounded student. And there's classes I've taken in, at Trinity that, you know, you asked me at, at 18 years old going to college, uh, would you ever take this course? And I would be like, why would I have to take that course? Or why would I want to take that course? But reflecting on my whole development, there's those courses that you never thought would be in your major or that you're forced to take in the, as a common curriculum. It's really developed a you know well-rounded person that can try different things and get outside the comfort zone. Well, good. Well, Drake Dukes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Nathan. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.